for takeoff. Welcome one and all to the Kings of the Heart, Kings of the Heart podcast. Kings of the Heart presents the Cypher of Three. You know what time it is. When's the Cypher of Three? It's usually myself, Dr. John Hart, and Miss Weena Cullens. But Dr. John Hart isn't here today, so I would like to welcome to the show another one of our crew, the one, the only, another licensed MFT, Miss Anisha Prasad. Anisha, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's an honor to be here in this space with you all. Thank you for having me. Oh, happy to have you here. And of course, you know we have to have our our other partner in crime, the wonderful, the talented, the absolutely brilliant in her own way, Miss Weena Cullens. Oh, Tyree, Tyree. Start you always bring a gun to a knife fight. Okay, let's do it. Hey, you know, this is the way that I exude my love for you. (laughs) (laughs) Just a little bit of abuse. So you guys, today I want us to have a conversation around compatibility. You know, you find that a lot of couples who've been together for such a long time have a issue with kind of staying on the same track, staying on the same path. They have different interests. They just develop into different personalities. And that sense of compatibility can fall off, which can cause a lot of strain in the relationship. You know, especially when it comes to spending quality time together, um, finding things to enjoy together, and just not liking the same things. And so let's get into a little bit. You know, when you think about the importance compatibility within a relationship what is it like what why is it so important for um a couple to have a sense of compatibility you know what i'm sorry like before you even go there Mm -hmm. right when you think about a lot of times how people get started compatibility actually isn't even high on the list okay right Mm -hmm. can we talk about that like just that People are looking for some the way someone looks, mm-hmm. kind of money, you know, kind of what you're bringing to the table. But compatibility is not really high on the list. And there's a way in which we can try to force things. Like there's, mm-hmm. there are things you've got to go out of your way to like do to kind of be attractive to the other person, um, to go along with maybe yeah. what they want to do when that may not truly be you. Right. So I think even from the beginning, we don't start off necessarily with, with making compatibility a priority. But isn't compatibility even there when you're, even when you look at someone's attractiveness, right? You're thinking about how compatible they are with your attractiveness. You know, mm. you're, you're usually stepping into it thinking, well, um, I'm on this level, that person's on this level, we, we're a match. So even that is a level of compatibility people are looking for. You know, mm-hmm. although they may be unrealistic, that is a <laughs> level of compatibility they're looking for. But I get what you're saying though. They're not... We're not going into oftentimes looking for where we're compatible. We're just really keying into some more of the superficial things mm-hmm. that, that don't get that deep. Okay. Okay. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Well, let me be the egghead. Let's define compatibility because we're assuming that, good, that good everyone point. knows exactly what compatibility is. And, True. you know, for me, compatibility is a, a way that you fit mm-hmm. together right. and you can have complementary relationships which could be a good fit 
but then you can also have relationships where you literally are similar to Mm -hmm. your partner. Mm -hmm. The difference would be, you know, if you find someone who enjoys a lot of the same things that you do, or they have the same values as you, they're similar. We like to watch Netflix at the end of the night. We believe in not uh, using corporal punishment for our children. Mm -hmm. But then you can still be compatible with a partner if some of your strengths are their weaknesses. Uh Uh And it's important to know when you're in an opposites relationship of that sort, or when you're in a relationship where you have more similar views, because you need to treat those relationships very differently. Mm -hmm. The way you love someone who has different strengths from you, is very different from the way you love someone who has similar strengths. So we're going to definitely have to get into that. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. I also, while we're doing definitions, people often equate compatibility with being equally yoked. Mm -hmm. Is there a difference there? You know, how do you look at what it means to be equally yoked? And is that really what it means to be compatible as well? Mm. Such a good one. Such a good one. That is. I mean, I think, you know, to Weena's point about even defining it, there's so many different dimensions right. of compatibility, like we're saying. Um, so there's sexual compatibility. True. Yes. Like you were saying, there's value compatibility, um, aspirations. Um, we talk all the time about introversion versus extroversion. So right. kind of our, our social energy um, right. compatibility. So there are mo- so many different um, dimensions in which compatibility is in play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's important to say right here that when you meet someone that you're initially attracted to, it's really important that you realize that getting to a point where you determine that this person is a good life partner is a marathon. Mm-hmm. It's not a sprint yeah, in any true. way, because even though you may not be compatible in all of those different dimensions that Anisha mentioned, you need to be compatible in the majority of them. And the only way you can determine that is if you give it enough time and you have enough experiences to really see whether or not you're a good fit with that person. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, but kind of going back to the whole being equally yoked thing too. I think people look at different categories like um, religion, um, socioeconomic, um, you know, education, and how that plays a role in the way that people are matching up. You know, mm-hmm. are we a good match based off of these different characteristics? Is right. that different than compatibility? Well, when I hear equally yoked, it definitely uh, resonates on a spiritual level for me. Okay. And it sounds like you're asking the question, is this person on the same level as you? Right. Mm-hmm. Are you two in the same headspace? Are you in the same arena with each other on certain levels? Mm-hmm. And the implication is that if you're not, then one person may be dragging the other person along or holding the other person back. Mm-hmm. And therefore, it's a problem if you're not equally yoked. But we have to be careful about that word equal. In therapy, I teach couples a lot that equality is different from equity. Right. Mm-hmm. 
right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and you have some people who hear equal and they think, yes, a partnership should be 50-50, but you can't split everything down the middle so can't. in a partnership mm-hmm. and expect to always get that formula, right? But having it feel fair, feel equitable is very different Mm -hmm. and it's typically most helpful. So you may be pulling 70% of the weight in one area and your partner's pulling 30% of the weight, but it feels fair because in another area, they're pulling 70% of the weight. Right, Mm -hmm. exactly. So equally yoked. Right. Equally yoked doesn't necessarily mean that if you're making six figures on your job, they need to be making six figures on their job. Mm -hmm. Or if you've got a master's degree, they need to have graduated from college and they need to have a master's degree. But you have to figure out where you to find equity and how the balance Mm -hmm. is represented in the relationship. Mm -hmm. What do y'all think? Mm -hmm. No, I agree completely. I mean, I think um, that sense of balance and and like you said, the difference and, and equity um, being essential. Um, and I was talked to couples about working to your strengths mm-hmm. that that ideally we would be partnered with somebody who um, is stronger in different areas than I am. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and I think I like your point, Nina, a little earlier about there's a different way that you love differences. Um, and that you create space to grow with them. Because I think that this was kind of your point earlier, um, Tariq, about um, over time, mm-hmm. right? The one constant is change. Right. That even the person that you fall in love with in the beginning, it really is not going to be the same person 20 years from now. Mm-hmm. Just because mm-hmm. things happen and we grow. Mm-hmm. And is your relationship healthy enough that you all have the mindset that we just are continually continuing to learn right. each other right yes um, that we're not static people but that i you know love you enough to like be with you as you grow mm-hmm. like there's room for you to grow and for us to experience and and learn one another as we go along i think that's really important yeah when i think about being equally yoked again it initially comes from the whole spiritual base but mm-hmm. I like to expand it into, like I said, socioeconomic, education, you know, occupational. And those worlds that you enter, you know, the when you're in higher education, when you're, um, you know, going off to school, whether you're going to the penitentiary, wherever you end up, your experiences there play a role in the kind of characteristics you, you take on. And that may yeah. play a major role in the compatibility that you have with someone else who has a totally different experience. And that's the point that I think people don't take into consideration, especially early on. You see someone who has a different background and it's exciting and it's new and you want to learn a lot about this person, but you don't consider how their experiences informed those, you know, those more, um, those principles or those, those personal characteristics. And that's the lack of compatibility that people end up running into later on. Mm-hmm. You know, what is it that, <laughs> I hate to say fool people, but what is it that convinces people that they can overcome mm. such major differences and then try to make things fit with well within a relationship? Well, I think just the myth of of love being enough mm. right um, to just account for equate for everything to right. just bring it all into alignment and that it should be easy um 
I think that, you know, we, we have very unrealistic expectations sure of what love can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you see people getting together, like with huge age gaps, for instance. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a good one. The love conquers all thing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I want to get into this this deeply about loving your opposite, because mm-hmm. we see so many couples that initially thought that they'd done the work of vetting their partner. Mm-hmm. And they they did. You talked about all of the core values, all of the bigger life goals that you wanted to accomplish. And you thought, check, check, check this person really does value the same things that I value. And we have this plan to get there, but then you tie the knot or you decide that you're going to move in together. You're going to commit yourself and you start to realize that the day to day Mm. ways that you need to move are not compatible. And that's very different. You do actually connect and converge on the bigger goals and the core values, but you run into the problems when the way to get there is so different. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's, it's not that people aren't uh, doing the work and, you know, that, that they're fooled. It's that we really have not educated people enough on the work that needs to be done, the questions that really need to be asked and the time that it takes to really discover on a day-to-day level, are you compatible with another person? Are you going to be able to stomach the way they try to get to the finish line versus mm-hmm. the way you are trying to get to the finish line? Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, I mean, that's a major, major point there. It is the day-to-day. That's where the compatibility really comes into effect. And you said earlier, Weena, that the majority of your characteristics, your your principles and everything need to need to align. Why is that? Why is it so important for those principles to align? Again, it's also to Anisha's point that you can get a gut punch literally when you're unprepared for just how different your partner approaches life on a day-to-day basis. And depending on your resolve, you may want to cash out early mm-hmm. when you realize that the bigger picture is not all that you were interested in. Mm-hmm. You were actually more interested in the day-to-day connection, which most people are. Right. When we think about going into a forever commitment, a lot of people imagine themselves sitting on the couch <laughs> with their partner, sharing in experiences, but the the key word is togetherness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm picking someone that I'm going to partner with. And I have this in-home product that that's on my website that's literally called How to Love Your Opposite because mm-hmm. this is such a common problem and mm-hmm. it's a it's a um in-home session where I talk about the different ways your relationship is going to look if you find yourself in a opposites relationship versus in a relationship with someone that you have those day-to-day compatibilities with. Right. And and it's important here that the first thing you know is that you're not going to look as joined and connected as partners who like to do similar things. Mm-hmm. 
So that first expectation that you had that you'd be able to share a lot emotionally and verbally connect and physically do things together, you're not going to necessarily look like that. You may find a handful of things that you and your partner can connect on, but then you'll have to find healthy outlets where other people and other interests actually give you that support and that feeling of partnership and togetherness that you craved in the relationship if you want to stay. Right. Mm -hmm. And you also will need to learn how to compromise and negotiate a lot more when you're in that kind of position. Because if you guys don't have a lot in common, that means you're often going to have to find things that the other person likes and you may not like, and you have to compromise in order to uh, make the decision around what you're actually going to do. But it can't all be one way. You know, what I find it with some couples that, you know, one person will be a little bit more flexible and the other person like, I only want to do what I want to do. And True. that's yeah. not going to work if you guys are opposites. Yeah. That means that you're yes. going to have to give in. You're going to have to negotiate sometimes with the person on, you know, what it is that we can do that we're, that you may enjoy more than me, but I'm willing to do because I care for you. Yes. But I think that's true of like every relationship, right? That that Mm -hmm. needs to be a focus and a goal. Um, Like I, like I was saying earlier that um, creating that safe space to grow, um, Mm. really focusing on just healthy, open communication where I can freely say, "Mm, I don't really like that. Um, And that be okay. Or let's try this and you'd be open to it. Um, That really focusing on the how you love and less on, you know, kind of where we match up and don't, right. um, I think it helps people to be able to maintain over time mm-hmm. because yeah. changes will happen. Right. But if you, 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 you're dialed into communicating well, then you'll be able to kind of grow alongside one another. Right. If you are not threatened by change. Yeah. Which is, yeah. which is a major thing. A lot of people are threatened by change. They don't yeah. want to do that work. Right. Right. Well, let's go in deeper because everything that you said, Anisha, is so important, but there are so many people out there thinking, well, what does that communication look like? How do I make that safe space? And I think the first part is getting a shared definition of what togetherness and partnership is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. People really don't share the same definition of partnership. Let's break it down to real life here. To get, I have a togetherness contract and the togetherness contract is a contract we have to go over in, in therapy with couples so that they all have a, a idea of what each other expects. Mm-hmm. But most importantly, we see couples arguing about things like division of labor. Yes. You may think that you are in partnership and you're a team player, but if your partner is constantly complaining that you will not sit down to make a plan when it's time to figure out what groceries we're buying at the grocery store, where the kids are going to attend school in kindergarten, which is just a year away. Uh, These are the things that you are required to do as a partner. You cannot throw that responsibility on the other person And then expect that there's going to be a feeling of connection there. So so basic things like that, couples actually have to talk about and you have to either give each other permission to do more or less of the, the work in those areas. 
or you decide we are going to do this work together, but it's something that you have to talk about. Right. And that creates the safe space. If one person shuts down every time the other person comes to say, we need to partner and make a plan, you're not going to have a safe space. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, that even points to the need for better compatibility, even in communication. You know, okay. a lot of people are very, they approach communication very, very differently. The kind of the way that yeah. they express themselves, um, the way that they open up, their ability to be um, vulnerable, to validate all those things that we actually go over in a couple of sessions, you see those major differences. And so when you have people who are coming from very different approaches to communication, compatibility is is essential there as well and learning how to get on the same page. And I think that's another point too. We have a lot of people who seemingly are incompatible, where they have a lot of things that's very, very um, different from one another. How do you start getting people on the same page? You know, is there a way, is there hope for people to find common ground and, and be a little bit more compatible than they find that they already aren't? Once they're in a relationship? Yeah, yeah. Oh, and they, they feel like they're growing apart? Yeah, or they there are. Yeah, a, or they have been apart. They're not even growing apart. They've been apart the entire time, and just yeah, kind of yes. and kind of acknowledging it just now. You know, you and I and Dr. John have have used this phrase before, but when couples come to us, they think that they've been in the journey for so long—two mm-hmm. years, five years, ten years, twenty years—but but we help them realize that they weren't onboarded properly. Oh yeah, for sure. So you may have the time in years, but in terms of being practiced, you don't have it at all. You might be a rookie. You've been doing it wrong all these years. <laughs> <laughs> right. You just didn't get the, the right foundation. Mm-hmm. So can, can couples find ways to be more compatible with each other? Yes. But it speaks again to Anisha's point of creating that safe space. Mm-hmm. And we know that emotional injuries tend to happen very early on in relationships. And an emotional injury is um, a situation where you used to believe your partner had your best interest at heart, but then they do something, whether inadvertently or inadvertently, to hurt you or offend you. And it's a wound there now. And you learn to trust them a little less, Mm -hmm. or you start to believe that they don't have your back. You don't feel as supported. And that's where you start to part company a bit. Mm -hmm. Creating that safe space where you can talk about those injuries and then also talk about the ways that you believe your partner has not shown up for you. That helps to then have the talk about things that you like, things that you can share in together, ways that you can come back to each other that you may not have been able to explore because those doors were shut early on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To your question, Tariq, I think, yes, I do believe that there's hope. I mean, I feel like that's my role. That's my job, right? right. As a therapist is to hold hope for you. Right. Um, and I tell couples all the time, it really just takes the willingness. I think if you can get people on the yeah. same page of wanting to, right, yeah. that's half the battle. But I do acknowledge that sometimes they're fatal flaws. There's some things that just cannot coexist together. Mm-hmm. So for instance, you know, when you have a couple where um, what they've diverged on is a value um, mm-hmm. or a worldview, mm-hmm. or let, let's say it's it's around um, 
uh, substance use. Right. Right. We started off, we were, we were both good, you know, drinking, smoking, whatever, whatever. And then somebody decides to get clean. Right. right? Or, you yeah. know, you, you've lived a sober life and then someone starts to, to use like, so there are some things that are just non-negotiable. Right. Like we cannot come together on. But aside from that, like if, if people can get to a place, I think like we know is saying, like being open to negotiate and to learn um, I think it's absolutely possible, but being able to, as as she was also saying about um, addressing some of the wounds that have come from right. years of disconnects, right? Some of the apathy that has come from years of of feeling lonely and and not having that shared space. I think that work has to go kind of right alongside. Ooh, I yeah. preach <laughs> loneliness is something that we don't expect to feel in marriage because it's the opposite of the commitment. You, you are partnering with the person because you, you expect to have a companion, someone to do life with, but you can absolutely find yourself feeling lonely and isolated in your most meaningful and intimate relationships. We can't talk about this without talking about the trauma that people bring into relationships and how those injuries occur so quickly it's because something has probably happened in your past and when your partner who you've been most vulnerable with and you expect to give your heart to does something to hurt you or offend you that trigger pops up and you close up Mm -hmm. right? right so being aware of the fact that we all may bring drama into relationships is important And then being able to identify those triggers, having expectations that you might be lonely sometimes, but that doesn't mean throw the baby out with the bathwater. Now your partner is your enemy. We have to keep fighting to remain open to the possibilities of finding ways to intersect so that you can enjoy some type of partnership, even if it's not the one that you idealize going into the relationship. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, I wonder if there is a certain characteristic of couples who seem to be the most incompatible or you see are having problems with compatibility. You know, who are those couples that you, that come across your office, your, your, your couch who are having some of the, the more major struggles with being compatible? Um, I've been working most recently a lot, going deep with some of my couples on um, attachment. Mm, okay. Mm. Right, and so some of the biggest like schisms is is a long attachment, and where you have an anxiously attached person paired with a avoidant person, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so just fundamentally, like you going back to what you were saying, Lena, about our notion of togetherness and what that means. Right. You have an avoidant person who's actually threatened by it. Like the closer you get, the you know, yeah. more I feel uncomfortable. I'm trying to push you away. But that anxious person is steadily trying to um, get closer. And that cycle, that dynamic just creates that constant tension mm. where you can't even start to talk about things we like to do because even just, just that space of coming together right. is fraught with so much danger mm-hmm. um, and threat on both on both sides. So I've seen that a lot. Um, that somehow those two just kind of attract. Yeah. Like an avoidant person, it's not that they don't desire 
um, in some way, a sense of togetherness. But as soon as they start to feel it, mm-hmm. you start to make demands or you want to spend time, they're like, okay, I don't know. And they back up and then that starts the anxious person's um, like, oh my, fear of abandonment. And so they do more right. and just, oh, the push and pull. So for me, that's what I see um, yeah. a, quite a bit. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. What do you think, Weena? Yeah. Emotionally aware partners versus emotionally <laughs> unaware partners. Okay. Disclaimer here that in the beginning, and this is the gospel according to Weena, all relationships look the same. Mm-hmm. As Anisha said, we send our best self out to meet the person. And it's not because we're trying to dupe them or um, be someone that we're not. It's because we literally want to please that person because yeah. we're so excited and we feel so great about the the feelings that are being generated because we feel chemistry. So an emotionally unaware person may present like a person who's actually emotionally aware mm. because you're having those deep conversations over coffee and dinners and lunches and long walks because you're talking about things that everyone is qualified to talk about. You right. can talk about how you grew up. You can talk about things that make you laugh. You know, we all have this baseline of information that we share on the front end that can make you feel like, oh, this person can really express themselves. Mm-hmm. This person is really uh, communicative and and they they know how to hold conversation. And that's what I'm looking for because I'm emotionally aware and I'm hoping that someone can go deeper. But then when that phase ends, and now you have to get into the weeds yeah. about expressing both positive and negative emotions and handling conflict mm-hmm. when it's absolutely going to come up. You see that one partner falls short yeah, and the other person goes, what happened here? Mm-hmm. I thought we were compatible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, w- I would say that there's two major categories that I run across. One are people who met, let's say, in high school or like in their teen years, early in college. Oh, you know, so these are people who when they first got together, they're still growing. They're still learning about themselves. They're still exploring the world. And they haven't really learned how to adapt to the world. And they really haven't become into themselves yet. And so now you're meeting someone in the same place, even if they're a few years ahead of you, they're still growing, too. And as you're, you know, building a life together you're still learning about yourself and you may be going in a different direction than the other person is. But mm-hmm. because, you know, you met early and you you made this commitment to each other, now you have to try and stick it out, even though you're going in different directions. So I know, you know, couples who one may go off to college and the other one goes to trade school, you know, and so now they have very different career, um, the tra- career tra- trajectories are very different. Um, their experiences, you know, and, and how they're learning and who they're around is, are very different. But then they keep coming back together because this is my person. You know, this right. is a person I've been I've mm-hmm. been with and comfortable and cool with all these years. Mm-hmm. You know, we're you know, they've been supportive. They've been there for me. But your experiences are really informing who you're becoming. Yeah. And so now you're finding, OK, I'm with this person with all these different experiences. We made this promise to be together, but we're just very, very different people, you know. And so they've just tradi- they've already grown apart early on but they've stuck together for 20 30 years Mm -hmm. then you also have people who have 
um, oh man, they they come together. Let's say through social media, not social media, well, social media um, apps. They've met on uh, on trips. You know sure. the, the long distance relationships. You yeah. know people who have you know Oof. developed these strong, beautiful long distance relationships where when they get together, you know they're they're their best selves and they're having a yes. great time. And it's very short. It's not every day. So you know you're just doing everything you can to just enjoy each other. And then they come together. Now they're living together. You know, you decide to move to the same city, move in together. And you realize getting back to that point of the day to day, you don't know each other on the day to day. Yeah. You know the best version of each other on those weekend trips and those nice little vacations. Oh, but when it comes to actually yeah. seeing each other on a day to day, it's like, oh, I didn't know you um, spent yeah. so much time with your mother. <laughs> I, didn't know, <laughs> I didn't know she was around that often. <laughs> okay. What's that about? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, agreed. Um, I don't know. It's just uh, when you are up close with someone consistently day to day, and it's just the monotony of life. Yeah. You you see um, people's, their imperfections, their yeah. idiosyncrasies yeah. and things. And those things aren't always attractive. Sure right. And so it's not even, it just, the reality right. of life yeah. and, and how we move through it. Um, sometimes it, it is, it's not easy to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're right. Like, like um, long distance prolongs that experience yeah. and that exposure to those things yeah. Yeah. because you're constantly kind of on your best foot and right. you can manage conflict, you know, through space. Yeah. Um, so I agree with you. That's a, that's definitely a segment. Yeah. Yeah, Tyreek, I don't know if you just like read my blog post last night and decided that you were going to steal it, but no. Uh, Years ago, I wrote this article entitled, Can Young Love Stand the Test of Time? Mm. And it speaks exactly to your key points about growing up together and how couples who experience young love, like high school sweethearts, college sweethearts, they end up having the hardest time forgiving each other in the evolution process because they're sowing their royal oats Mm. with each other. Mm -hmm. They're making the mistakes correct as they go along and causing a lot of hurt and injury. So when they make it to adulthood, they're together, but it's hard for them to see each other through the lenses of a mature adult Mm -hmm. without seeing all of the things that the partner had to go through to get there. Yes. Yes. And so staying together for the sake of history is typically not a good idea. Oh, never. And just know that if you're in that type of relationship, you have a unique challenge in learning to forgive the past Mm -hmm. and not necessarily judge your partner for those old things, but it has to be a joint mission. You literally have to hold hands at the top of the cliff and jump at the same time, meaning decide that you're going to leave the past in the past. Mm -hmm. And you cannot leave the past in the past if the past is still in the present. So if that person is still doing things that, that are reminiscent of when they were in high school or college, then that's not going to work. You're going to need some help. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the second Go ahead. I was going to say, it's funny that you mentioned, you know, your blog post. I actually um, have a, a chapter in my book, It's Just a Damn Date, that came out 2006, um, uh-huh. entitled College Courtships Are Pointless. 
you know, kind of get to that same, kind of get into that same point. It's like, okay, here you are meeting in college at a time where you're growing probably more than, you know, in that short period of time, you're growing so much because of how many different experiences you're having, both kind of being on your own and, you know, venturing into adulthood, but then just being around different people from all different walks of life and all over the world. There's so much growth that happens during that period when you lock into one person, you know, the likelihood of you growing apart is so much greater, even though you may be in similar environments you are having very different experiences within within those environments and learning so much about yourself, trying to force yourself to be together again, just because you made this commitment is probably going to end up in a place where, you know, you're on our couch. Right. Well, I love that we both have, have resources out there that people can actually read so that if you need to sit with this for a while longer and process your own unique experience, you've got Tyreek's book chapter that he wrote back in the Stone Age and then you have my <laughs> blog post that was written a bit more recently because I'm not a dinosaur. So you can read those and that would be fantastic. That was her payback right there from our, my earlier <laughs> That was comments. from last I episode. You. I got you. I got you. I, yeah, you. Yeah. I, so I do. I, I like how you threw that 2006 in there. Yeah. I like that. Right. Yeah. But um, to you. I do want to say that, um, so it's not hopeless. I mean, for, right. you know, anybody who's listening who um, is young and in a relationship or is in a relationship that's from uh, then, I think it's all about balancing expectations. And like you said, Weena, like recognizing that your relationship comes with unique challenges right. in the sense that you're going to still be with the person that you make these mistakes with. Right. Um, that as you're trying to grow emotionally, as you're trying to grow professionally, as you're trying to still figure out yourself as an adult, like you said, Tariq, like those mistakes happen with this person. And if you understand that, if you have that mindset of um, grace mm-hmm. um, and can give it, like you absolutely can be, be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does take quite a bit of work. Um, and, and maturity threatened by and maturity. Mm-hmm. You cannot be threatened by the changes. Right. Um, yes. You have to embrace them. You have to lean into them. Yeah. Yes. Um, because they will come. And privilege the fact that the unique benefit of your relationship is that you have a level of comfort and perhaps camaraderie and history that feels amazing you you know to be with someone for that long and to know them intimately and not just on a sexual level it is a privilege that that a lot of people won't experience because sometimes you meet and and partner with someone when you are an adult and that's when you start to take things seriously Mm -hmm. so there are definitely benefits and Anisha I'm glad that you kind of burst our doom and gloom bubble <laughs> for a second, <laughs> right? Because uh, listen to us, you know, like, yeah, that's that's going to be a tough one. But no, we are absolutely here to help in situations yeah. like that. And therapy can be a very, very powerful tool to help people recover from some of those past injuries, traumas, and wounds. But so, even, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No, to- go right in. Um, I want people to really embrace therapy is not just when it's traumatic and when it's really bad, but yep. as maintenance, yeah. right? Yeah, that sure. really what we're talking about, like change is the constant. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so when you prioritize your relationship and you are going for check-ins kind of regularly um, to make sure, you know, kind of how we're tracking, I think that is what helps mm-hmm. um, sure. that you can so easily get off track and just into the day-to-day of, of maintaining the house and getting the kids to daycare or whatever. And you stop attending to each other, mm-hmm. um, right. to the individuals in the marriage and to the couple, you know, as a, as a, as a, 
entity unto itself aside from being parents that sometimes you need to go to therapy just to kind of tweak and to um reaffirm you know what your values are and and where, what your goals are and where you're headed to so before we were so far widely apart that you're sitting on the couch like oh my gosh i wish you guys had come here like two three years ago <laughs> yeah, right oh, yeah right right that if people can think about like i can't be in the mindset that it's, it's one and done like like you know i found out all i need to know about you i know you right right mm we're all evolving, right? right? We all have to maintain that attitude of, I want to know you more, like who you are today. Mm -hmm. um, and to continue to work at that. Yeah, yeah. When you, you look like you had something that you've been trying to get in here for a while. What was another point that you were about to make? I was just going to talk about your, your second uh, couple mm -hmm. that you see a lot with the long distance relationships, okay. because that is so important to touch on in in our global space yeah the internet has now allowed yeah. us to meet people and date people and and build relationships with people that we would not have been able to build relationships with so easily over the last 10 20 30 years right. and because of that couples don't live together for a long time while they're building intimacy and making plans to build a life together. Right. And you're absolutely right. What I find with long distance relationships is that because your time is so limited in each other's physical presence, you absolutely remove every obstacle that may intercede on that time right. when you are together. So when you're dating in a long distance relationship, your relationship rarely resembles what real life will look like. No I'm doubt. purposefully not busy because I only see you twice a month right. or once, you know, every quarter. And because of that, when those couples come together physically for any long amount of time, they're gut punched because they don't really know each other from that perspective. Right, you may talk day day. every day, five times a day, right. and you do have a lot of intel on your partner, but you won't know if you're really compatible mm -hmm. on that day-to-day -day level until you get into a more consistent physical level of closeness with right. them. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, even the sexual compatibility. You know, when you mm -hmm. get together and you're long distance and you get together just for that weekend, oh, it's phenomenal. <laughs> but now you're living together. It's like, yeah, um, I don't have time for that or I'm tired. I mean, all those other things start to, to seep in there. It's like, I thought we had this. Well, no, nah, no, nah, there's more to life than just that. You know, right. and the day to day really takes over and scares the mess out of people. Mm -hmm. You know, when you also mentioned earlier when you were talking about people who have been together a long time and that level of comfort. And to me, you know, I want to make, make sure that people don't confuse comfort for compatibility, you know, mm. but there are other things that people often mm. introduce into the idea of what makes someone compatible. So whether it's the comfort or that vibe, yeah. we just have a good vibe. We have good chemistry, mm -hmm. you right. know, how do you differentiate between those things like the vibe, the chemistry, the comfort and what it means to truly be compatible with somebody? I think really it's about a couple's goals like what actually mm -hmm. makes you happy in a relationship mm -hmm. if if you don't go into a relationship seeking compatibility and you have a different agenda for the relationship then that makes this moot but <laughs> um in terms of of whether or not 
we should maybe even factor in comfort and a vibe and energy. It's all relative. Mm-hmm. It if, is. Your, if your partner also values those things and those are the things that, that you privilege as a couple, then you've got a shot. You can call that being compatible. Okay. But again, as we've said today, if you're into the details, how we butter the bread how much money we earn a year so that we can save for the house, how many children we want and the timing of having those children and your partner is not into those details. They're into the vibe and the comfort Mm -hmm. and the energy. Then you two probably aren't compatible. Right. Right. I um, had a couple um, very on extreme ends of extroversion and introversion. Okay. Right. And so on the face of it, you might say that they're not compatible. She's always on the go, you know, Mm -hmm. very involved with her family, you know, extensive, you know, uh, a group of friends. Um, And he just liked to be, you know, kind of to himself at home. Um, And initially there was some friction and tension, Mm -hmm. you know, around kind of the amount of togetherness and why aren't you with me more out here or why aren't you home with me until they really kind of dialed back and like appreciated who they were individually mm. and made space for each other right. yeah. um, where they could appreciate their individuality and compromise. Like, okay, so I'll tell you the things I really need you to come to mm-hmm. or, um, and, and give you, give you the options on everything else, but I'll let you know the ones I really, really need you. And on the other side, he could say, um, you know, do you mind, you know, just staying home with me tonight? Right. I think what was beautiful about them is that they both loved each other for who they were. So it wasn't like, I'm looking at you as an introvert and that's a bad thing. I appreciate that that's who you are. Um, And he loved that she had so much energy. He'd love to see her out and having a great time and loved when she would come home and kind of chat him up on all the things <laughs> that she did. And so they made that work. So like I said, on the face of it, people be like, how'd y'all end up together? Right. Mm-hmm. But for them, it worked because in their togetherness, in their coupleness, it's absolutely everything that they needed. Her, her attention to him, his attention to her was very intimate. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. It does. Yeah. Great example. And you said something really important they were somehow getting what they needed from it. Right. Yes. Right. So what I want to do here is take a dimension of compatibility. You know, Anisha, you mentioned a whole list of areas where compatibility is important. So what I want each of you guys to do, all of us, we'll all do, we're, we're all in this together, um, take a dimension and think about how people can overcome the issues of compatibility within that particular dimension. You know, is there a dimension that you lock into, you key into oftentimes with your clients or that you just often see or are familiar with and say, okay, well, this is a particular dimension of, of compatibility where people struggle. This is how you overcome that struggle within that area or that dimension. Ooh, that's, it's a tough one because you know that there's no one size fits all. No, no. But- these are all suggestions, <laughs> just suggestions, possibilities, giving people hope, giving people, you know, a, a roadmap on how to challenge the issues that they're having and possibly do better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
So I'll start. I'm going to say sexual compatibility. Okay. Because that's a big one. It is. Um, No pun intended. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's. So I can remember this couple that I was working with and it was um, it was a beautiful moment. It was it was a tough moment, but it was a beautiful moment of her clarifying for her husband, what was at stake Mm -hmm. in that, you know, by and large people for the most part still believe that we we get married for monogamy, Mm -hmm. monogamy. That is just the two of us in this relationship. And so she was a little bit more adventurous than he was. There were things she wanted to do and try. And he was like, yeah, I'm not for all that. Um, And she said, if I, if we don't like the same kind of movie, I can go with my girlfriend. We go see the movie. We don't like the same type of music. I can get with another one of my friends and go to a concert. But you are it in terms of my fantasies, mm. in terms of my experiences. You're, you're the only one for whom I can get that need met. Right. And I, he could hear that. Right? Yeah. right. And so in that space, it opened the door to talk about, like we were saying earlier, about compromise, about finding a way to embrace a little bit more, to be a little bit more open, to be more free and to celebrate her wanting to try new things with him Mm -hmm. and him seeing it as um, not a duty or responsibility, but a a loving act, right? This Mm -hmm. is how I love you by being in that space and allowing you to be free. And so I think it was, you know, some simple things like, you know, he was allowed to say no to like one thing, but he had to say yes to two or something like that, you know? Right. Um, But again, just that, that willingness um, to do it. And I can remember um, Barry McCarthy, who, you know, is one of the um, sexual therapists in in our our field. um, Him saying that sexual compatibility, like when sex is good, it's maybe about 10% of the goodness of the relationship. Mm -hmm. When right. it's bad, when it's off, it takes up 75% mm, right. of the energy. Yeah. And so it's essential. And so when people are struggling, they need to reach out for help. That's right. a great time to definitely get some professionals in there to kind of help you kind of pull through um, what's at the core of that. Right. Um you know, I've had people who um, struggled with pain, and so they weren't engaging very often. I have I've had clients where um, the wife had never had an orgasm. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, um, very common problem. Yeah, right. And so, don't suffer in silence. Don't wait on those things. That that is something that really needs some concerted effort and intervention um, to help you um, get through that and to get to a place of more compatibility. Mm-hmm. Right. What about you, Wina? What, what would be that was amazing. I know yeah. we're short on time, so I will be very brief. I'll take a stab at the financial sure compatibility. Sure you'll be brief. Sure you will. Sure you will. So <laughs> <laughs> um, I run into this couple all the time. It's not any one couple for all of my couples who are listening. <laughs> you are not alone in this. We're just in the beginning phases of attempting to partner around money. Mm. You may have one partner who makes more money or is more fiscally responsible. And the other partner either makes less money or is a bit more bohemian about the way they spend Mm. money. (laughs) 
I like that phrase. Go ahead. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> so, so because of that, uh, you have one partner who wants to do the 50-50 thing and it's typically the partner who makes more money or is more disciplined and budget oriented around the money. And it really leaves the bohemian partner in a one down position because they do not earn enough money to necessarily meet mm -hmm. the expectations of the partner yeah. or they're constantly feeling like they're failing at being um, or living up to the expectations of that other partner. Right. But so then they're arguing about, well, I paid for dinner last time or I, I paid for the HVAC unit when it went out last time. And, and one partner gets to a point where they feel taken advantage of or they're pulling more of the weight. I often teach couples that you have to decide on a percentage of money that each person tithes in a sense or yeah, contributes. contributes to a joint account. Yep. Mm -hmm. And it cannot be that that joint account just covers the mortgage or the rent or the utilities. It needs to cover the entertainment mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. other social experiences. It really needs to cover everything except for the personal allowance money that you keep aside for yourself mm -hmm. that you can do whatever you want to do with after you've put your money in savings and after you've met all of your couple goals so that when you go out for a night on the town, either of you can pull the joint debit card out, put it on the table, yeah. pay for the meal and say, we paid for the meal. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. We paid for the, the plumber to come out and fix the sink when it breaks. Mm -hmm. And it really does cut down on the tension even though lots of partners are afraid that if they put that level of money or amount of money into the account, you know, your, your partner's going to consume it. They're going to use it for something that, that you're not supposed to use it for. That's, the trust, that's a trust issue that you need to work on. It this, is, right? this is all yeah. a trust it issue. Is. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. Everything that we would talk about with compatibility comes down to fear. Mm. Fear right. that okay. you're not going to get what you need, fear that your partner is going to abuse or take advantage of you in some way, fear that you're going to be triggered into a painful experience that you had mm -hmm. before. Mm -hmm. But so I would say that taking the risk in, in deciding what percentage is equitable, there's that word, mm -hmm. contributing it to a joint account and taking ownership that we are making this life work. We are paying for our expenses versus I got it this time, so you got it last time, mm -hmm. would definitely be a better fix in most cases than not. All mm -hmm. right. Brief wiener. All right. <laughs> but no, that was right on point. That was definitely on point. I mean, that's a yeah, major, major area. Mm -hmm. um, and the area that I want to talk about a little bit real quick is the social dimension. Mm -hmm. You know, I have a lot of couples. I really like to promote date night. I really like to promote couples finding time for themselves, whether you have kids or not. It's important that you spend that quality time yeah. away from the TV, finding mm -hmm. other interesting things to get into with one another. And I can't tell you how many couples I have who say, well, we really don't like the similar things. We have very different mm -hmm. ideas right. around what it means to have fun right. and to, you know, those experiences. And so I often encourage them to find those things again you have your own world and each, like you said earlier, you know, you have, you know, friends you can go out with to do certain things and there's other things you turn to your mate for. Well, beyond just those things, there are probably a lot of activities that you haven't explored before. Get out, 
try new yeah. things together. Mm -hmm. You know, don't depend mm -hmm. on your your old interests to inform your new ones. No, there are other things out there to see and to experience. Get mm -hmm. out there, um, you know, make it part of the the date night experience that one week you'll find one activity, the next week the other person will find an activity, and you just kind of go back and forth and you just try different things. Mm -hmm. If you're so stuck on what it is that you enjoy doing versus what it is that your mate enjoys doing, you're not going to find ways to really grow together. This is nice. giving you the opportunity to experience things that mm -hmm. neither one of you have yeah. been in before yeah. and really try to find that, that sense of um, togetherness and enjoyment mm -hmm. in that way. You know, mm -hmm. there's so much more to explore than we give ourselves credit for. Get out there and try, even if it's, you know, something that you're doing online or maybe it is another TV show or whatever. I really don't like promoting just sitting in front of the TV and considering that quality time, but you can but turn you, into you, quality you time. Make an exception. And you got to make an exception I mean, for yeah. the parents who have young children and yeah. no, no yeah. care. It's right. just sometimes yeah. it's impossible to get out and do the things that, that you will want to do okay. in a phase but of even, life. But yeah, even so there, you can find, you can find things. Problems. You can, I mean, you can find things to do at home too. Even if you yeah. can't find a, a babysitter or, or care for your children, there are things that you can do at home as well. You know, so it's a matter of being creative. It's a matter of being flexible, but making right. sure that you are exploring things together and not just locking yourself in a box of what I like versus what they like. Agreed. You know, those agreed. are the things Parents that we really need to things. get I've, I've suggested, you know, people do like Groupon. Like so sometimes people have trouble like coming up with stuff to do. Right. right. Um, and so there's a adventure, the adventure challenge, Okay. Um, you know, and just different things. There are a lot of things out there mm -hmm. that you can do like so that you don't have to think of like, okay, what we're going to do. Right. Yeah. So I totally agree. I agree. Use those Step resources. Use those resources. All right. Mm -hmm. So this is the segment of the show that we call the noble truths. And this is your opportunity to kind of give some bullet points of some of the things that we talked about, some highlights of today's conversation that you really want our listeners to, to walk away from this with. You know, so we now start off with you. What would be a noble truth or a couple of noble truths, whatever you have, what are some noble truths that you have for our listeners this week? Be aggressive. Oh, okay. To make compatibility a reality in your relationship, and particularly if you have not achieved it yet to the level that you want to, you have to be aggressive. Mm, okay. And that is the point that I think all of us made in giving our hacks that we're not talking about a half approach mm -hmm. to finding new ways to connect with each other to coming out of your shell sexually to trusting financially that you can partner you have to be aggressive not assertive aggressive okay. about learning how to gain intimacy in these areas okay mm -hmm. all right agree Anisha, what about for you um, I would say, you know, just along the lines of what Lena's saying, that if you're not yet in a relationship or you're still just dating, that you make compatibility a priority, right? That you right. want to make sure that the person that you're with, that their values align with yours and that their desire for togetherness looks the same, mm -hmm. that, it, that they're not threatened by it, that you equally want to love one another and be together. And if you're already together and struggling on the compatibility piece, um, again, that you make it a priority to to talk and to learn one another and to, you know, almost kind of go back to square one um, and be open to um, your partner and, and learning who they are now. Right. Right. And I would say my noble truth for this week is 
you know, going back to what we said earlier, making sure that you're defining these things for yourself, you know, together. What are your, you know, your common definitions or what are your definitions around what it means to be compatible? So yeah. taking that one step and then taking the next and saying, okay, well, these are the different dimensions of compatibility. You know, what are the areas where we are well aligned? Where are the areas where we're not? And how can we work on those areas where we're not? You know, some things we may not be able to get over. We may just have very different viewpoints on particular dimensions. But how can we strengthen the areas where we are already compatible? And how can we strengthen the ones where we're not so that we are building more compatibility as opposed to just kind of looking at each other like, okay, well, we don't have anything in common. You know, yeah. so you just it's a matter of constantly um, redefining sometimes too and working towards finding more compatibility through all those different dimensions. A lot of dimensions, there's areas you can find compatibility in and make this a much more fun and enjoyable experience for everybody, right? Agree, right? Yeah, okay. All right, well, what a wonderful conversation. Great Cypher 3 today. Dr. John, we miss you, but you know yes, what? Yes, you, Dr. We absolutely had a great time with the crew that we had today. Ms. Anisha, please tell people where they can find out more about you and the services that you actually have out there for them. Um, you can find me at anishaprasad.com and um, yeah, just reach out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and Ms. Weena, what you got? Same. Follow me at weenacullins.com W-E-E-N-A-C-U-L-L-I-N-S and you can also follow me um, on social media and I'll be looking for you. All right. Any any new um, projects that you have coming out that people want to keep their eye out for? Out in a couple of months. All right. Oh, that's exciting. Yay. So exciting. Um, in fact, I got to run after this. All right. Okay. All right. Do it. Do it. Do <laughs> it. Great to see you both. Same here. Same here. And for me, you can always go to kingsoftheheart.com or you can check out insightmft.com. That's my private practice website. Or you can just find us on social media. You can find all of us on social media. We're all yes, out there. You can. So <laughs> anyway, right. look at great conversation. Thank you so much for coming today, guys. And look forward to having you guys on again. See you soon. See ya. Thank you. Bye.